There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Dean. He has ALS. Let's talk about it. Well, I'm going to start this off by saying one thing. Um, First of all, hello, Dean. Uh, secondly, uh, this is, I feel like this episode, not specifically with you, Dean, but, but it it actually, it's been a, it's been a a bit of a while, a a long time coming, but this episode in particular, this subject that we are about to cover today has been a long time coming. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, out of the over 300 episodes we've done to date, this will be the first time that we are covering ALS. Yeah. Yeah, and we've been um, we've been looking to do it ever since the ice bucket challenge. We sure have. Dude, sure, the ice sure bucket have. challenge took over the world for a minute. It did, didn't it? Like uh, that was the uh, only thing that was that like was social media for for like what the better part of like four months. It was pretty wild. It was nuts. You know, it's wild though. I I also. Um, Though, like, that was the first time I sort of, like, became, I think, like, aware of of ALS. Like, I didn't know much about it before then. I would say that I still know very little about it. And so I'm really looking forward to chatting with you, Dean, and finding out more about it. Uh, Dean, you are based in Ottawa, correct? Yeah, yeah. And uh, how old are you, Dean? One. 31 years old, uh, same age as Brian there. Uh, you look you look far younger and more handsome than Brian, but that's uh, neither here nor there. We'll leave that at that. Uh, Dean, <clears throat> when did you get diagnosed with ALS? December 24th, 2018, at 29 years old. Holy fuck. Christmas Eve. Oh, fuck. Whoa. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Oh, fuck, dude. I would way rather get a lump of coal than then get a, a diagnosis with ALS, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, dude. I think that goes I, I feel like saying. I feel like if you polled, I feel like if you polled, uh, like did a poll on that, you'd probably get the same response from most people in terms probably. of Cole versus ALS. Um, what was it? So, wow. So two years ago, um, coming up on, coming up on a two year anniversary in, in the next few weeks, um, before, um, you know, we, so we were, we were put in contact, um, with you through a, uh, through a mutual friend, um, uh, a friend of ours, Steve Burry, who's, who's, uh, who we've known since, since we were a little tykes running around. Who's, shooting, a, who's a gem of yeah, a human being. One of our, one of our absolutely, uh, favorite people on the planet. Well, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's Steve is incredible. Um, shout out to Steve. Thank you for putting us in touch with Dean. Um, what is uh, what is what is life? Uh, what is life for you, Dean? Before uh, before ALS, what is what is uh, what does your life look like then? 
Uh, prior to ALS, I was in the Army as a combat engineer officer. I served with one combat engineer regiment of Edmonton from 2012 to 2015 and then <clears throat> was posted out to Ottawa um, trying to drive my body and mind as far as I could in the profession of arms and excellence in all things Army and the person of war service. Mm. I, uh, I, first of all, I want to say uh, thank you for your service. And secondly, I would like to just add uh, on a personal note, anytime I play video games where um, you get a class of, uh, of, of like war uh, or combat kind of characters, like the list of the, you got the medic and you got the, you know, the, the gunner and you got the, the, the uh, explosive tech and then you got the combat engineer. I always go combat engineer. So pretty badass. Uh, pretty stoked that we're talking to you. I, I also like uh, Jeremy's uh, preferred I'm, I'm character. In video games. <laughs> I, I would also say too, that I identify with the, I'm more of like a, a, a fantasy video game player. And like, if, if I have options for like a mage or paladin or, or rogue or warrior this class is, this player. This is getting out of hand. Um, I'm fucking choosing the warrior class uh, player. So the pursuit of like combat excellence. Um, yeah, I totally, I totally get it. So, so Dean, you're you're 29. Uh, you're in. You're 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 serving as a as a combat engineer. Um, you get the diagnosis of ALS, and uh, I mean, I guess I guess the the first thing that I I kind of want to know because Brian, you sort of said it at the top, like. ALS it has become a, a big a big part of like our our um, our like lexicon due to the the viral sensation that was the ice bucket challenge. But but there are I, I feel like um, you know similarly to cystic fibrosis, there's like <clears throat> there's a lot of people who don't actually quite know the ins yeah. and outs of what that disease actually means. You know when, the name, but you don't. Yeah, really you've heard like... it, but you don't really know the nuances of it. Um, when you, when you got your diagnosis, Dean, what, like, I mean, what went through your head? Did you know what, did you know what your future was going to look like right away? Or, or did you have to do a bit of digging and research into what this all meant? So I was kind of prepared for the diagnosis on the basis that I've been experiencing weakness in my hand and muscle fasciculations throughout my left arm, shoulders, and pectorals since about August and <clears throat> throughout the fall of 2018, I began to systematically cross off all the things that could be attributed towards the symptoms. And as we cross one after the other off, the diagnosis of ALS began 
to be the only option that was left on the table. So there was a bit of anticipation. It still feels like the doctor driving home that final nail in your coffin with the diagnosis. No. And in that vein, by virtue that we're kind of looking into ALS prior to the diagnosis, I leaned very heavily on my wife, who's a scientist, to help me understand what we could be facing, both from how the disease affects our body and what options are out there in the way of offensive action to fight the disease. Mm. And what is that? that? Like, what are, I mean, again, because of just the social consciousness of ALS, I've got the Ice Bucket Challenge. You've got Stephen Hawking, who is obviously a very famous um, person who lived with ALS for a very long time. I know that, or from what I understand, he's kind of a, a he's he seems to be a bit of an anomaly in that in that regard. Um, what? But I've I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever heard of um, like what a, what treatments there are out there for ALS. Like what and are they? What are they, and and what is their is the goal to slow the progression? Yeah, so currently there only are two approved therapies in Canada: Reluzol and Radicava or Aderivum. Reluzol is a medication that reduces glutamate in your spine or coronary brain and it, it will increase your expected lifespan between 9 to 16 months. <clears throat> and Radicava or Derivum, which was very recently approved, has rather inconclusive results on how it will delay the progression of the disease. Early analysis on Japanese phase 3 study showed that it could be as beneficial as slowing the rate of progression by 40%. However, however, they're seeing now that they've been giving it out to Americans and Canadians for the last (coughs) couple of years that the results are not as promising as initially thought. And there is the fact that ALS as a disease is very heterogeneous in that 
one therapy may work very well for one patient mm. and not mm. necessarily apply to another. <clears throat> and so the results that they're seeing with the Radicava are less than they hoped. Now, there are 160 pharmaceutical companies working in the neurodegenerative disease space pertaining to ALS. So there is hope because a lot of money is being invested into understanding the underlying mechanics of the disease and attempting to bring new drugs to market. Dean, mm-hmm. can, can I ask you a question about, like, on, on average, when somebody, and if you don't know the answer to this, that's okay, but, but it, on average, when somebody gets a diagnosis of ALS, what what is the <clears throat> what is the typical answer that someone gets in terms of here's what you can expect for your life expectancy or is that pretty broad uh, it, it, depending on the the case and the person the standard is 2 to 5 years life expectancy but you can see anomalies both while uh, the member of parliament the Honorable Morel Belanger died in 2017 after eight months. And then you have the Stephen Hawkins and Steve Gleason's that are living a lot longer. And does that have anything to do with the name Steve at all? Now, is there any correlation with Fs and and names that start with the letter S? Um, uh, Dean, I can't, I can't help but uh, imagine like how you know, like going from somebody who is is really like focused on uh, you know, even in their career and in like pushing their body and mind to its limits, and and really trying to like sort of like seize every moment and 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 sort of you know really like push everything everything to these extremes and then all of a sudden like having a diagnosis like this or even even leading up to it before you had the diagnosis sort of like losing the ability to like use the strength in in your hand and in and in your shoulders at first like how how did that affect you mentally and how how challenging was it to for you to um digest this diagnosis and and do you think that like your your experience in in being in the the military and sort of like dealing with this like you know immense amount of pressure and sure. and having to be very disciplined through your training like did that help you going through this because i i just imagine i can only imagine how tough that would be I think it is an ever evolving situation Brian and the fact that is about to stay positive and focus on what you can affect 
every single day. Um, the culture in which I grew up in within the military definitely played a hand on <clears throat> helping me focus on what I can impact or what I can influence. Now, often I'll refer to what is in your three-foot world <clears throat> expression, um, meaning that what can I affect in the space right around me, and I will focus on that. But, <clears throat> yeah, it was really hard to transition from someone that was very comfortable walking around in any environment to realizing I could be boot fucked by a grandma with a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. You know what I, I I really I commend you for that that sort of uh that that mental attitude. And I think I really love that idea of like the the sort of three feet rule, like wh what can you affect within within mm -hmm. that space? And like that's uh, that's something I, I think I needed to hear today. Um, Dean, I, I, you know, you, you had talked about, um, you had talked about the two therapies that, that currently, uh, have been approved, um, here in Canada for, for treating ALS. Um, and, you know, we've been talking a lot lately on the podcast about access to, to important medications, especially for rare diseases. Um, uh, we have, we, we've, We've we have a, a wonderful community of patrons who uh, who support the podcast and and uh, every time we, we go to record with someone we put it out there for for our patrons to ask questions that they would they would like to hear asked and uh, this one comes in from Ellen um, and she's wondering what wild therapies have been suggested to you I'm taking it that there's there's maybe that's like a thing in the ALS community that there's wild therapies being suggested but is is that the case for you Yeah. I won't refer to specific clinicians or clinics or even therapies, but people do hold on to life rafts of hope. And often when there isn't a clear answer in medicine, they will turn to their fringes of medicine on the internet, and they often intersect in the kind of with the naturopathic uh, input. And so I've seen a lot of people waste a lot of money on going to naturopaths and mm. trying to figure out on their own how to combat the disease. I personally haven't seen anything damaging, <clears throat> but some theories fly in the face of what the data shows. For example, a lot of people believe that the ketogenic diet is the answer for neurodegenerative disease, 
And when you look at life expectancy for ALS patients, correlated from all the data in America, you find the ones they keep weight on often live longer. Hmm. And there will be the patients who are often in a pre-diabetic phase with a bit of fat on them, and they are living longer. If you are switching to a keto diet, which I played around with when I was healthy, sure didn't prevent ALS, but if you're switching to one when you have ALS, <laughs> you're at risk of losing a lot of weight really quickly, and you're not battling diabetes, you're battling ALS, and you need the weight on. So that would be one word of caution I would give to those who are newly diagnosed. Keep your fat on. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because it it that's also very much in line with the, um, with the CF community as well. Um, you know, maintaining weight or, or putting on more weight is, is like, is a, is a sure sign of, of like lasting health and Mm. losing weight Mm. is like puts, puts the CF community at like great risk. So it, it makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. Hey, Jerry, remember when we were, when, 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 uh, we got, we got Brian and I, uh, I started intermittent fasting and then I was talking to Brian about it and Brian was like, sweet. Yeah, I'll do it, do that too. And then Brian and I were doing it and then we were talking about it with Jer and we were away on it. We were, we were going away. We were on a trip to Vancouver to do some shows and, and Jer was like, oh yeah, sweet. I'll do that. I'll do that with you guys too. And we'll be traveling and it'll be easier. And then I like, ended up with pneumonia at the end of that tour. <laughs> and, and like she three really days sick. into it, Jer was like, Jer was like, oh fuck, I I'm I have malnutrition because I have CF. And I forgot about that. And I need to eat in the morning. Oh fuck me. What a stupid fucking idiot. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts. Dean, I did want to ask you. You mentioned like when Jer asked that question about uh, different sort of therapies, alternative therapies. You mentioned that like a lot of people, you know, sort of grasp at these treatments because of this like fear of of mm. dying. And I'm curious <clears throat> about your thoughts around death and dying and how you've explored that because I'm assuming you know, given this like this you know, average life of expectancy of two to five years it's something that all of a sudden you probably you know maybe wasn't front of mind and now maybe more so is front of mind but like what are your thoughts around death and dying now um in what context brian doesn't 
uh, coming from in spiritual context or coming from in that fear context on how I deal with the new uh, diagnosis uh, or short life expectancy. Uh, I, yeah. as a soldier, I've contemplated my own mortality pretty frequently. Um, I've never been in combat, but I have deployed operationally in ID country, and I have wondered what it would be like to die prior to this situation. So I haven't I wasn't a stranger to thinking about it. I I never anticipated it would take five years after years old of racing away and that really pushes me off. I'd rather have every told at twenty nine when you're thirty four you'll die in a car crash. And way be able to live the next five years through your fullest ability, and that'd be fast. So, <clears throat> learning how to deal with it, taking a long time, has been new for me. I haven't had any revolutionary spiritual experiences. I'm kind of, I believe it's arrogant not to believe in God, and I believe it's arrogant to not believe in science. And I'm kind of mm-hmm. giving that as my party line. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll dose yeah. you with uh, nine nine uh, grams of dried psilocybin, and that'll change your mind, right, real quick. <laughs> uh, um, I, 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 but I, I just want to like, uh, like to that point. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and like, I, I, lo- I sort of love that that idea of you know believing that it's arrogant to not believe in God, and also mm-hmm. arrogant not to believe in science. Mm-hmm. But I think you. Like it's it's funny. I asked that question, and I didn't think about the obvious part that you highlighted there. That it's like that and i sort of want to emphasize your point that like it's not like you're going to find out that you are going to die in a car crash at 34 and be able to live your life to the fullest un- until then so it's it sounds almost like it's not really about the death and dying part like you mentioned you have contemplated that before as a soldier but it's this idea that the next 5 years is mm. this process of like slowly <clears throat> having your body and, 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 and I guess it just sort of just leads me to this question. Is it in terms of like being neurodegenerative, like, like you, you seem here that you're, you're very coherent and lucid and able to have uh, a a really sort of self-aware conversation. Um, Does it affect your, your brain in the terms of your ability to like think over time? I think it will eventually there is a statistic that 80% of ALS patients experience some brain changes 
in the way the thinking express emotion of definitely impatient as fuck originally and Alex had to maybe any more patient <laughs> I um to to kind of piggyback on what Brian was was touching on there um and and also to throw it to another really great question that came in from our Patreon community this one from Shay uh they ask what kinds of measures do you want taken as your disease progresses have your wishes changed over time that is deep and my initial answer will be not yet. I am still able to walk. I still have quality of life, even if I am dependent upon my wife. And I am married. I have a dog and a great family, so... Nothing in terms of my original plan to endure and live as long as I can to hold up for a therapy and as since. However, when I am locked in, I do not know how that will feel. Mm -hmm. And currently... One of the highest <clears throat> demographics using the medical assistance in dying legislation is the LS community. Now, uh, right now, I don't feel that is me, but I'm not locked in yet. When I've been locked in for three years, they ask me, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, there is no atheist in a foxhole. I'm sure there are no brave people when they're locked in with their lives. What is the... What is the... What has been the, I guess, in, <laughs> throughout the last few questions that 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 um, that were asked and that you've that you've contemplated on, what ha, what has been the conversation with your wife um, and the you know obviously a, a massive impact on your relationship because it has such it has such such you know dire consequences um, to the diagnosis. What, what has that, what has that conversation been like? And, um, and what, ha how has that, how has the relationship, um, how has your relationship with your wife changed over the last couple of years in, in dealing with, um, ALS? It's a really hard balance when she, I'm dependent upon her for so much. Um, and you want her to still be your wife, not mm. your carried or your mother. Um, and so it's extremely stressful at <clears throat> times to balance the unity with the disease, with your relationship needs. And that is 
Ricky, it's an ongoing battle for me, Taylor. Um, I think we match okay. We could do better. We could do worse. Mm. Well said. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is. That's one of those. That's one of those struggles that I think a lot of people who live with with chronic and especially terminal disease kind of battle with who are, who are, who are in relationships where, you know, it's this, this dichotomy of having your partner simultaneously be your, your lover and your intimate romantic partner, but also stepping into the role of, of caretaker and the, you know, the feelings that go along with that for both people involved are very complicated and very nuanced and very, it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of people really, really think about until they're unfortunately tossed into that, that position themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's so different depending on who it's so different. Like, you know, we've had, we've talked to, we've talked to a lot of people and, you know, with a similar, with a similar dynamic with their, with their partner. And, yeah. and some, some people it's like for some people they are, they have to be one or the other. Um, and, um, and, and obviously that presents a massive, a massive, uh, a massive problem and a massive hurdle to get over. Um, go go ahead, Jeremy. Well, I I was going to say, I I would really love to move forward into just touching on some of the, um, some of the advocacy work that you've been doing, Dean. Um, I know that, um, that you started, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you start? Did you start the ALS burpee challenge and and how the fuck does that work? Uh, it sounds torturous and awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I really spent the first year of my diagnosis <coughs> focusing on my family and doing about the disease and the nuances of ALS advocacy and the issues facing the community. Coming into my second year, uh, about last January, February, I began to become more involved with the community, the existing societies, and advocacy in general. Uh, From that, ALS Canada, the ALS Society of Canada asked me to lead the walk in the ALS here in Ottawa. And <clears throat> it was going to be a virtual event in the face of COVID. So I thought, how can I make this a bit more involved, a bigger and encourage a bit of participation and rip off uh, the viral idea from the X-Bucket songs. Um, so we did a bit of a burpee challenge um, whereby it was supposed to be a social media initiative uh, same as the X-Bucket where you nominate three people and donate to the Air Society of Canada and the 
is the maximum amount of burpees in a minute and posted online. We managed to generate about 50 grand for the society. Uh, on one hand, I took the burpees charge into that virtual walk to end their lives and tried to use it as a platform to promote it. But I had a pretty amateur media engagement plan. So on one hand, it was a failure in that it didn't reach nearly the audience we had hoped. But on the other hand, it introduced me to the head of the Federal Allies Caucus and gave me a personal relationship with the members of Parliament who will affect policy that will influence the fight against Allies. So on one hand, it was a success, on the other it was I mean, you also like, (laughs) I I hear both sides of that, but also like you did raise $50,000 too, which is no small feat at the same time. So congratulations for that. Sounds like a couple of wins. I I, I actually, before you ask that, I want to know first, first, first. I I had a question for you, Jerry. I was just going to say, why the fuck did you you. do the burpees? No, fuck you. I have a question for you. Uh, How many burpees do you think you can do in one minute max? Uh, I don't know. More than you. <laughs> Come on. Take a guess. Take a guess. Uh, I, I don't know burpees wise. I, I would be better. I would have a better guess with, for like uh, three with years. push-ups. Yeah. But, yeah. You, but, yeah uh, you thought burpees yeah. was like, like that's all CrossFit is. Yeah, I think, I think I could do one burpee every two and a half seconds or so. I think I could do, uh, I, I'd, I'd probably be close to. 20? 30 plus maybe. Taylor, that's, how many do you think, how many think you could do? That's not the same math. It's um, not. I think you'd be like 25 if you were basing it off of like the math that the you math, just did there. Yeah. There. No, well, I was saying <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm accounting for fatigue over time. I said I could do one every two and a half seconds or so. So um, I'm saying about 30. I think that's fair math. That's not, but. No, two and a half seconds, Taylor? <laughs> Brian, come on. <laughs> two and a half like, seconds is less if than it was 30. Two, every if two there's 60 seconds. seconds. If there's yeah. 60 seconds in a minute, two and a half. It would be two two seconds. Right, you're right. So you'd have yeah, to be, right. you'd, and yeah, it right. would have to, right. be have, to be yeah. have to be two seconds. You would have to nail it. <laughs> two to really nail every time. Right. I could yeah. do. And I, I fucking right, suck at right. math, and, and I knew that. So I'm, I'm all legs. Uh, so I'd burn out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I don't How know. Many I, think could you could pro- do? I could do maybe twelve. Yeah, ten to twelve, maybe. No, dude, you could do way more than that. Yes, you could do more. Dude, I literally am. I'm. I'm like by choice withering away from the waist up. <laughs> I'd say I could probably do, uh, I could do one and a half maybe in a minute. So one anyway, uh, <laughs> do you guys, do you guys want to time me? <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Dean, I, I, uh, I also, I, this is a fucking random question, but, um, you know, I, with a de- de- degenerative disease that affects your ability to over time move, um, which, you know, like presents uh, an individual with just like a countless, um, countless issues and problems 
that most of us wouldn't even like consider um, when, when it comes to like the, the way we interact with the world day to day. One thing that I am wondering about is if you have yet to uh, have found a, a deep and cherished love for um, for bidets. Because I feel like, uh, you know, a tushy would be something that would be very valuable for someone like yourself, at least in the, in the coming years. Tushies are amateur at the grand total is incredible. It's no, like, don't even tell me you've got a toto. You've got a, like a full-on toto watchlet? Two. Oh! Whoa! <laughs> the Rolls Royce of bidets. Wow. Yeah. The granddaddy, the granddaddy bidet. It's oh my like God. a warm rib rub every morning shit. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I've only experienced that once and it was in a Vegas, uh, Las yeah. Vegas suite. Uh, yeah. been back. <laughs> that's same. For people who don't know, just Google it. Washlet, Toto, Toto Washlet 3000. Google that and just take a look at that fucking sweet piece of ass it's a luxurious uh, yeah, vacation be, for your butthole every morning it sure yeah. is we should be uh we should be sponsored by <laughs> oh Washlet. yeah let's uh cbc you hear that uh, hit them up let's get some sponsorship <laughs> on the go uh dude that's a that's amazing now was this uh, can i ask was this a you know yeah it's funny like you're a you're a combat engineer your wife's a scientist it sounds like you've been plucked straight out of a fucking tom clancy novel um like do you you guys sound pretty smart and pretty like pretty on the ball when it comes to um at like efficiency <clears throat> is was the watchlet toto something that the two of you like you know that's just like part of your nature was there any calculations involved or, or was that like <laughs> oh i have als get the fucking get the expensive toilet seats so uh we're both we uh went to massachusetts general hospital very shortly after i was Diagnosed, and I was referred to a stem cell therapy in mm. Korea, and we went to Korea five times over mm. 2019. Whoa. And we got to try some pretty sweet toilets that basically convinced me. And so when I came home... Everywhere bidets. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, I... uh the army will cover home modification for service with a disability. And ALS is twice as prevalent in the military. And they don't know why, but they covered both toilets for me. So I have wow. one upstairs. Yo. And one on the main floor, and they're incredible. It really, yeah, it truly, awesome. it truly is life changing. And I, and I, and I, and I do. I was, I was recently. I've been to, I've been to Asia several times, but um, I've never been to Korea. But when I was, re- when I was recently in Japan, um, like the, every toilet, every public bathroom was a was a mm. was a bidet, and I was mm-hmm. blown away by just the culture of of everywhere having like everywhere had heated seats and, and like bidets and everything. I was like, what is happening here everywhere? Like, I'll tell you what's happening mm-hmm. here. Like hole in the wall places had, it, had high level yeah, toilets. It's called, it's called an entire culture 
of people realize that having a warm and clean as 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 a whistle asshole is far more enjoyable than just a a, a chafed, scraped, paper like clumped. Do you think shitty asshole? Do you think they're like holding on to some 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 like data where they realize that that <laughs> the that the the money that they would spend on public bidets has such a, a a tangible impact on quality of life that they get like higher production from the population and by, the environment by and the environment the on top of that you know and the it's environment am- it's amazing uh mm, dean probably saves money on toilet paper yeah. too oh uh oh, yeah 100% dude i don't even use toilet paper anymore uh mm. but like i mean it's probably a net net positive even paying for the investment of like the yeah. The machine. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, go Dean, ahead, Tay. Dean. I, I want to know uh, a little bit about like um, some of the uh, some of the tech that goes along with uh, your ALS. Um, tell us about what um, is happening with this like microphone and and the piece that goes across your forehead and and is there anything else that you use? You look like um, you just came off the fucking uh, what's that? What's the Star Trek? Uh, 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 Starship Enterprise. You know, yeah, you look like you were just on the latest Apple keynote presentation, yeah, yeah. And, uh, launch, totally. and just the, the new product launch for the Google classes or, yeah, yeah. or the Apple classes or whatever. <laughs> well, my wife refers to her as my Smurf penis. Is uh, <laughs> you see the blue mouth piece? Is yeah. left click for a must, and my Headband is a Bluetooth connection to the Mars cursor, so it's a way for me to manipulate the Mars cursor because arms don't work. And left click by breathing on the Smurf penis, you see? And <laughs> yeah. right click with a foot pedal. And I type one letter at a time with an on-screen keyboard that I click, I back-click. I will eventually need to progress to eye-gaze technology when I can't move my head and neck and can't bite. But for now, this is faster and more flexible I guess I guess technology has come a long way but you're relying on the dual feature versus uh, a switch to activate a click so it's not as instantaneous okay hmm yeah, because at, out, at the outset, when you talk about eye gaze technology, I mean, like, I at first I was like, oh, that sounds like it would be faster because you because your because your eyes move maybe faster than you're you know you're able to move your head and 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 move your mouth to to onto the piece. But that makes sense that it's not as instantaneous. That's a maybe in I'm thinking of maybe like maybe I'm a little bit far ahead of myself. Like twenty thirty years from now, it'll be like you just whatever you look at 
you know, <laughs> there you go, Brian. I, Brian, I can see you testing out, <laughs> testing out the. Uh, I was, I was imagining a left eye, like a wink, left wink is a left click, and a right eye is a right click. I, I'm <laughs> sure there's people driving, listening right now, just like look, darting their eyes around, being like, I wonder how fast I can click. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is like it is it, it, it is I. Through doing this show, I've I I have uh, developed um, a fascination with um, with accessible technology because um, because and, and 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 I've said this a few times on the show, like it even even just like the the devices that we all use, like our phones, and the amount of accessibility that gets built into mm. those phones that a lot of us never know about because we the, the features aren't necessary for us. And then when you meet somebody who uses those features on a regular basis and they let you know about them and like the potential of smart home tech and everything and in terms of um, uh, decreasing reliance on caretakers and other people to to do things for you, like smart home tech is, you know, for everybody out there who, who, who has, who just looks at smart home tech as like a, a, a cool gimmick, um, you know, for, for, for some people it is like, it is a, it is a total lifeline. And, and, mm. uh, I've, I've just kind of mm-hmm. developed a fascination over the past few years with that. So it's cool to, and also cons- cons- like still also needs a lot of improvement of and attention. Like there's, there's, there, there's some great features, but like, there's also not enough. I think they could probably still. just shut down the research right now and leave it where it is. Mm. <laughs> okay, uh, Dean. Up, uh, <laughs> this has been re- this has been a real treat. And uh, before we wrap, I just want to ask you one question that we ask a lot of our guests, which is, um, out of out of everything you've gone through, what's what's the biggest thing that ALS has taken away from you? Well, I cried in April when I realized I couldn't beat my meat anymore. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's a horrible no. day. Did you have a service? flashlight, and that thing has been money. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get that. Uh, you gotta get that washlet, Toto washlet, uh, flashlight attachment. That that like while it's spraying your ass, it also just goes and then goes and milks milks the uh, milks the sausage. Um, uh, okay, on a, on a more on a more serious on a more serious note. Um, I mean, I mean that, that's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty serious. That's pretty fucking serious. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that before I go to the second part of the question? Um. I think yes. Every single day, realizing that you may have to rethink about how you achieve something the day before, because you may not have as much mobility as the day before, and so you're constantly. Reworking how you get through life, and that also extends through your carriage, and that you may have a system that works really well in September, and by November, you need to change your system. What would you say, Dean, is the biggest thing that ALS has given you? (sighs) 
a big appreciation for the military community really, really coming behind me and supporting me has been really overwhelming beyond my friends, but the whole community and feeling that love has yeah, been pretty powerful and that would be a pretty positive experience in the story, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Dean, man, this is, uh, I gotta say, this has been, uh, we've had a lot of people over the, over the years reach out to <clears throat> inquire about, uh, about, about having an episode, uh, uh, um, that covers ALS on the show. And, and, uh, you know, we've had, we've had a couple of, uh, we've had a couple of people apply and, and timing it kind of got in the way a few times. And, um, I just want to say that I, I am, I'm so grateful that the very first time that we got to cover this, uh, this particular disease was, was the moment that we got to sit down and meet and talk to you because this has been an absolute pleasure. And, um, and I can speak behind, behind, on behalf of myself, Brian Taylor, and every single one of our listeners. Um, you're just you're such a you're such a gem, man. It's it's been such a treat to talk to you. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day today thank to you. sit down and shoot the shit with us. Mm-hmm. I would like to thank all three of you for what you do for the Station franchise and helping me spread my community's story and struggle to Canadians and the world. So thank you. And yeah, I'll back back at you guys, your beauties. And it's a pleasure that Steve connected us. Mm-hmm. And whether it's through the red days community or advocacy don't hesitate to reach out in the future and work towards better quality of life for CF LS all of them Uh, Dean. Guys, I honestly, I just want to say this one thing. 2020 sucked my balls. It's been a, it's been an awful year. There's been some good things this year, but for the most part, it's really been shite. And, um, I feel really grateful that we're, you know, we're not quite there, but we pretty much capped off the year with that conversation with Dean because... I truly think that this conversation that we just had is not only a highlight moment for myself, for Sick Boy, for 2020, but I think like maybe a highlight of the entire 
um, life of Sick Boy. Like it was, it truly was one of my favorite conversations I think we've ever had on the show. And I just feel so, I'm just so happy that it, it just like ended the year. Well, you, you've heard it here, folks. That's it. We're, can't get any hard. Can't get any bigger than this. Can't get higher than this. The podcast is <clears throat> might as well be finished now. I yeah, it's so. been a it's been a hard it's a hard plateau. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I do I do I do sort of I just I do want to echo that just to just to not even say like like this conversation in and of itself was certainly a highlight. But I feel like we've had a a lot of really great guests on this year, and and mm-hmm. we definitely I am have, extremely yeah. grateful for the conversations that we've had. It's yeah. it's yeah. been a ride. It has yeah. been. You know what? I would say CBC, uh, CBC. I would say that 2020 is a uh, has been a great year, and I would I would argue that I would argue that your comments on it being a shitty year are more like um, comment sections on social media posts where you zero in on the on the relatively small shitty nah. aspects. And nah, fuck you. My it. dog died, dude. It's been a, it's been the worst year. My dog died this year. I'm not. Uh, uh, look. Bigby died, dude. Okay. Okay. Hey, man. Dogs dying doesn't have to be you, sad. It, but it is. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor anyway. I want you to just really take a minute to like think about your dog dying. Right yeah, now. I all I do all the time. Yeah, well, and just it, wait. And just it, wait. It feels until good. That, it's, until until that, it's a feeling. Uh, like no, it, it never it really feels that good. Feel. But I I feel like I get a little bit more used to it every time I think about it. Yeah. But then when he when he does die. Because it will happen. <laughs> that will be the year that you go. Oh, this is the worst year. <laughs> there's got to be a year where there's got to be a year where look. Happens. There's got to be a year where it's the worst year. Because if there isn't, then there can't be a year where it's the best year. We gotta we gotta be okay with accepting the bad times so that the good times feel great. Which is why I just wanted to say that this conversation with Dean was such a great time. And so uh, that's that. If you like this conversation and you want to tune in to more great conversations like this in the future, uh, we are here every Monday and every Friday. And uh, we love being here for you. And we appreciate you tuning in every week. And you can find us wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the CBC Listen app. And if you have any notes or any cool stories that you want to send us, you can send those to letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be an amazing guest on the show, I think, like we said in this episode with Dean, we had never covered, we've been doing the show for five years. We had never, we had never had somebody on the show with ALS. And there is plenty and plenty of, of, and not that we, not that we have to like always be covering people that have, uh, you know, diseases that we've never covered before and talked about, but it just goes to show that there are plenty of things out there, probably thousands of things that we haven't talked about. And uh, if you've got one of those things, let us know. And, mm. and also, just to let you know, like the bar has been set. So, like if you're if you're sitting there with a story that's like probably not that exciting, don't even bother reaching out. Like, oh, don't wow, send Jesus. in your application. Oh no, yeah, no, no don't no. even Do bother sending it from you to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. A- no. Absolutely, don't. So, no. the, but you know where the bar is now. So. Oh, no. is not the place where you should go to do that hey yeah be confident i believe in you if you have a story (laughs) and you think it's shit send it in because i bet you you're you're, you're, your judge you're your toughest critic you are your toughest (laughs) critic and so we let us be the judge all right don't let don't let brian and his stupid pink hair fucking fool you okay you are amazing and we love you this is like a steel purple lavender uh, i just want to say that 
It's not going to be you, Jeremy. Did you just correct? Hold on. Did you just correct me (laughs) when I said your fucking pink hair and you said lavender? Lavender. I said lavender. Yes. Yeah, I can smell the product in your hair from here. (laughs) And if you want to be the new co-host of Sick Boy Podcast, go to sickboypodcast.com slash sweepstakes and enter to take Brian's spot. Speaking of co-hosts, this show is co-hosted by the three of us. um, And it's also produced and occasionally co-hosted by the one and only Lauren Sankey. A huge shout out to our manager who helps make this happen too, Jeff Lonis. The sound design for this show is done by Donovan Morgan, mostly, um, occasionally by Jeremy Saunders. Actually, more so like Way 50% to cover your bases. right now, to be fair. So so uh, both of them deserve immense thanks for that. Oh, and uh, and the theme music is done by occasionally Take Part and also <laughs> occasionally by Rich O'Coin, uh, who is also Jeremy's roommate right now. So shout out to yeah. uh, But entirely Rich. one of them. And yeah, also, really. he flies into Verdansk with uh, Tiller and Jeremy and I very right. frequently. Okay. All right. Uh, folks, we love you. That <laughs> is it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. And this is... For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.